Hello everyone and welcome to this very special, very, very special edition of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. My name's Stephen Hill, I am your host alongside my good friend, Mr. Renfrey Dedman. Hello Renfrey. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very, very good. This very is, excited about it, this. Mate, this is very, very exciting. Um, we were lucky enough, I say we, it was you, wasn't it? Wasn't I it? was yeah, lucky you enough. You were you were lucky enough, but we as a podcast, as yeah. a company, yeah. um, were lucky enough to be offered some time to sit down and pick through the mind of one of the most unique men in uh, the history of modern music, yep. I would say. Yep. We're talking about Mr. Devin Townsend, um, who you got to speak to, and we're about to hear that interview any minute now. Yes, I spoke to him about his um, new album, Empath, and we'll be talking about that a little bit after the interview as well. Me and mm. Steve are going to go into our thoughts on... Um, that album but also our thoughts on Evan Devon as a artist and his whole legacy and a bit we want to give you a bit of a primer as well there's a yeah. lot of people I feel like would love to get into Devon Townsend but don't know where to start because he mm. has a very vast catalogue uh-huh. of albums which are and there isn't really a well the only through line is Devon Townsend really So um, one thing I want to say before we start this interview, um, the day that I interviewed Devin, he was very, very jet lagged. So if you if he sounds very despondent and tired, it's because he was at first. But um, give him 10 minutes or so and he really warms up into this. So I'm merely flagging that as if he sounds like he's bored out of his mind. It is. He was really tired. I've Mm. interviewed him a few times and I was like, after the interview, I was like, Jesus you're tired, aren't you? And he was like, dude, you don't even, you can't even imagine, but yeah. So there you go. Let's have a little listen to Renfrey chatting to Devin Townsend about his new album, Empath. And then if you have come along just as a Devin Townsend fan and you don't know anything about us as a podcast or what we do, do stick around um, because we're going to be talking about the record and about Devin and his legacy and the creative behemoth that he is. But right now, let's hear what tired, heavy Devi had to say for himself about his new record. You join me now in a very plush office. I would say this is quite a plush office, isn't it, Devin? It is, isn't it? It's, it's, it's quite warm. nice. It's a warm. It's really warm. It's a warm plush office. On a really cold, snowy day. I do apologise that you've had to visit our country on such a shitty day. Although, well, I'm from Vancouver. You're from so, Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm joined by Devin Townsend. How in the world are you, sir? I'm quite well. Good. I'm, uh, I'm uh, jet-lagged beyond all reason. <laughs> okay, yes. But uh, I think as long as I keep talking, then cool. words will come out that conform sentences I can, and we're good. I can keep you talking that's not a problem at all um we're here to discuss uh empath which i think is by far the most ambitious record you've created out of a incredibly ambitious career <laughs> to be to be um to well to, to not put too fine a point on it yeah. it's um it's a multifaceted record which which I, it feels like you're attempting to coalesce every genre you've ever um, played in, <laughs> or, or, or every palette that you've ever, every every brushstroke you've ever had into one record. Mm. Was th- that the intention from the start? I think the intention was the most important part of this record, and the intention of it, I think, is best described as I was trying to make something that was uh, beautiful, and I was trying to make something that would ultimately be of um, some value to people. Yep. Um, but in order to do that, I realized that uh, I needed to uh, dig into my own process and and my emotional growth. And uh, as a result of that intention, 
the idea of empath started to make sense because it implies um, uh, maybe the recognition of other people's energies or other things' energies and being empathetic towards it and and almost as a loophole that ended up being uh, something that I could he- adhere all these different styles to. But really, since the beginning of my career, I've been told not to do that. So there was a certain amount of leap of faith that had to go into this. But uh, upon hearing it, I recognize that it's... I think the people who are uh, unfamiliar with what I do or uh, or more passive passive listeners would run the risk of hearing this record and thinking that, you know, I've lost my marbles. <laughs> but... Uh, I think for the people that 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 know what I'm doing, um, I think what it resonates with more is creative freedom, yep. where I'm trying to not put any limits on where I choose to go. And to be fair, man, life is like that. This is much more an authentic record in terms of how I perceive life to be than anything that I've done, because life goes between also it's a roller coasters, all sorts of yeah. roller coasters, and that's certainly what this does. I think you came to prominence in a genre. I wanted to, uh, it's weird that I want to talk to about genres a little bit. And I think we need to do that in order to talk about this record because what you're trying to do ultimately is create something genreless. Would you, is that fair? Yeah. Um, but I think we need to talk about it first before getting into that realm. So you began in a genre which, in many ways, um, can feel quite constrictive. And I don't think heavy music, I don't think metal is a constrictive genre at all, but I think the media and the the um, people around it sometimes can make it seem constrictive. Yeah, I agree with that. So has that been a struggle trying to break out of that, starting with Steve Vai and Strapping Young Lad? And um, is this is this part of, is Empath part of the process of trying to break away from that? Yeah, and I think that's what's interesting about it is I feel like I broke away from it because I stopped worrying about whether or not other people uh, cared. And I realized that I don't have to break away from anything. I just mm. I just have to do it. And that um, was really liberating because I remember thinking, wait a minute, so I just have to do it? Mm. Like, I, you know, what's holding me back? I'm like, yeah. well, I don't want people to think of me as this or I don't want to lose the audience or whatever. And I'm like... Yeah, but those are all abstractions on some level. It's if you want to do it, you just do it. And so that's what I did. And there was a certain amount of fear that I carried through the process just because it's, you know, you're 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 jumping into the deep end of your own psychological and creative process. But ultimately what I found is that um uh the constraints of the industry are also an abstraction and no one's telling me not to do anything people are suggesting that maybe it wouldn't be the wisest mm. business move mm. but mm. i'm i'm allowed to do it yeah, and so i just chose to and 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 that was uh, great for me at the end but so many so many people are scared to do it i think i i think it's an interesting time that we're living in musically i think something we talk about on this show quite a lot is how genres matter less and less and less these days i think that has basically happened through streaming effectively because now you now you don't have to pay for a record blah 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 um but you get we're getting a lot of releases at the moment i feel that are typified by bands who are trying to move into multiple genres but rather than creating a cohesive album they create what sounds more like a spotify playlist (laughs) um (laughs) but i feel like with empath you've 
put a lot of work into making. And actually, I feel like your entire career, certainly the last uh, ten to fifteen years or so, there's always uh, a desire to make it a cohesive record. How did you go about? I mean, that must have been incredibly challenging, considering all of the different elements that you're trying to pull together for this album. Surely. Yeah, it was challenging for sure, but every record is challenging. Of course, yeah. And I think the challenges just distribute themselves evenly amongst different challenges or different tasks on each project. Um, I think uh, the the fact that there's cohesiveness between the songs uh, has more to do with the intention than uh, any particular musical style. Okay. And by that, I, I remember thinking while I was writing the record, uh, you know, there's certain sections of the record that are really sc like scary types of music, like mm -hmm. Parts of Hear Me and, and Singularity are really brutal mm -hmm. music. And uh, because it was coming naturally to me and because my inclinations were telling me that this is something that I needed to face and to include on this, I spent a great deal of time during the process of creating this record um, making sure that the reasons why I was doing it were based in, in something that was going to help people. And I think that that intention, that thought throughout of, man, I really want this to not hurt people. I want this to be something that represents the brutality of life and the ups and downs and ultimately coming to the place where you decide not to take your own life. Mm. I mean, that is something that um, uh, I, I spent huge amounts of time uh, focusing on. So as a result of that, I think that resonates with all the music and it, and it provides a common thread. I think the common thread, from what I gather of the album, is is empathy. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So um, something that was in the press notes which I found really interesting is effectively the album is an analogy. Um, you have all these different styles and all these different places that this album goes and it goes to so many different places. And it's all about seeing things from different people's perspectives. Mm -hmm. And empathy is something which we really need <laughs> quite a lot of in the world right now. I mean, is that was that a large part of why you wanted to explore empathy? And yes, and what's funny about that is uh, in the beginning, uh, that seemed like a very noble pursuit. But the deeper I got into it, the more I realized that in order to have any sense of compassion for other people I had to start having it for myself and that sort of blindsided me because I, I've spent so long thinking oh I'll be fine it doesn't matter about me or, or what have you but but I realized that I've been the way I've been treating myself if if the part of me that was telling me what to do was a boss like mm. somebody external from me mm. uh he would be uh, up for jail time for, I think, how he was treating his employees. Can you can you tell me in, in what's it, in terms of workload or in terms of how hard just you push yourself? Just everything, just how critical I've been of myself, mm -hmm. how hard I've pushed myself, how little sympathy I've given myself for my needs, for my, um, for my um, uh, pains or, or uh, physical, mental health, whatever. Uh, I've been so brutal on myself that I realized that how can you have any care about other people if you don't give a shit about yourself, yourself. right? So as much as the record seems like maybe there's this um, altruistic sense of like this is what I'm trying to say and this is 
what it is that I'm trying to do. And maybe the impression of it, if I'm not careful, is that I've got answers. Mm. Um, but I don't. Mm. And the process of working through this record in some way has been therapeutic for me because um, I'm starting to decrease that dialogue that I've had with myself of, of um, just constantly calling myself an idiot, right? And what I'm starting to find is through that and, and through exercise and meditation and all these things, I'm starting to um, care more about people. You know, don't get me wrong, not a, a whole lot. <laughs> okay. But enough that I'm starting to see that uh, not only is it within my my grasp to, to uh, participate in those sorts of things, but it's going to require me facing some really ugly truths about myself mm. and that's not what I, that's not a great pastime you know what I mean mm. On, in terms of if you're just wanting to have a good time it's mm. like that's a lot of work but the whole process of what I do creatively uh, has been about trying to make myself uh, a better person yeah since the beginning so I think the effort is certainly worth it I remember us talking about this with transcendence to mm. a degree you were talking about how you wanted to so it all it's certainly, I mean, I've spoken to you on the last couple of records. Z2 maybe, I suppose Z2 is more kind of theatrical and stuff. Yeah. But but Transcendence in this one, it seems like you're looking within yourself and trying to, I don't know, improve. I don't know if improves the correct well, word. Yeah, because I think it implies as well that, um, that you're doing something um, altruistically or to try and be a martyr or a hero or something. And it, it's by no means that. What it is is past couple of years the world's just in a crazy place it's mm. like so intense and so ugly and so violent and cruel and and i often think to myself like what can i do to help mm. i don't want to hurt this mm. i don't want to mm. make it worse by and it's one thing to say well stop using straws <laughs> you know <laughs> there's so, your so, solution so, so. you know i'm a much better person now because i don't drink out of straws yeah have a bamboo toothbrush. That's all it is. <laughs> then you're good. Then you're karmically set for life. But I mean, a lot of people have got this sort of um, thought that uh, have been telling me, they're like, well, you know, we, we have to fight the powers and we have to battle these these um, corporations and these people and these entities that are consciously doing horrible things to the rest of us. Mm. And I'm, you know, there's a certain amount of value in that because you can't disregard those horrible things from happening. You've got to be able to um, at least uh, recognize that they're real. Mm. But ultimately, I think that the only real uh, solution is to work on ourselves because at that point, by doing that, you're, you resonate with that with your friends, with your family, with your audience, with your music, with your acting, whatever you do. And in a sense, I just, I guess I've come to the conclusion in my own mind that that's my best defense mm. against the chaos of the world is like, get your shit together. Mm. And I think a lot of that includes, you got to forgive yourself. You got to go easier on yourself. You've got to um, foster some sort of sense of self-care that doesn't relegate you to last place in terms of your hierarchy. And I think by doing that, you just slowly and subconsciously start recognizing yourself and other people more and and then i don't know maybe i'm wrong mm. but i also think that in lieu of just throwing myself on my back and kicking myself in a circle screaming about how unfair things are 
at least it's a step, right? Absolutely, yeah. And it feels like, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in the past you've said that there have been records that have gone out there which have done almost the opposite of that, have mm -hmm. almost felt destructive. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, d I'm, I, I don't know specifically which ones you're referring to. I'm, I'm guessing round strapping or something like that. Yeah, Alien. Right. Alien had an element of destruction to it uh, and sabotage. Um, there's a certain there's a certain amount of that on infinity mm. there's uh, you know there's a there's a, a lot of but here's the thing about those experiments is that I need to know before I um, believe mm. and that makes faith very difficult for me sure but um, you know fortunately I'm not a religious person mm -hmm. but um, just the concept of faith of accepting unequivocally something that there's fundamentally no chance of proving is like that's a leap for me because when it comes to um making music that ended up being something that drew negative things to me mm. i didn't know until i did it mm. and by doing it i learned my lesson right I see. and okay. so now with a project like this which is super intense i really was hoping that um by doing this with uh with this intention that I wasn't uh, uh, screwing myself up again, right? But I think it's 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 you've got to be willing to follow your uh, creative impulses where they lead too, yeah. because I think behind those impulses is something that your subconscious is trying to teach you. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I think the beginning of this empath process, as far as I'm aware, and please correct me if I'm wrong, was um, disbanding. DTP, Devon mm -hmm. Townsend Project. Yeah. Um, as far as I understand, because the traditional uh, guitars, bass, drums, I mean, to be honest, I think DTP was way more expansive than that anyway, but but that sure. traditional mold was, was, was too restrictive for what you wanted to do with this. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a certain element <coughs> of that, but there's another element of it that I was working too much. Mm, okay. And I was it was not in, in light of fostering some sort of sense of self-care. I mean, 2016, man, I toured uh, 11 months. Yes. And I have kids and I've got, you know, aging parents. And yep. and a lot of that was necessity because the genre that I've chose doesn't generate a huge amount of money. And in order to keep DTP going, we're talking between 15 and 20 grand a month. So I uh, ended up um, just going crazy with the work. In, in in hopes of like uh, uh, not having it fall apart around me and that just ended up being something that by the end of it I was like the solution to this is to disband this you know and then hire people and uh, and by doing that I was my the pool of people that I was able to hire I mean if you've got um, the money that any service is, is asking for like if you want a certain plumber um, you know if you pay them what they're asking, then you can probably get that plumber, right? Yeah. So with this as well, I, I spent so much money on this record, more money than I've ever spent, because I just was trying to get the right people. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, um, it put me in a position where not only can I articulate music that I couldn't before, mm -hmm. based just on, on physicality or, or, or technique alone, but I also don't have the baggage of that sort of social engineering that comes with 
being responsible for other people's lives like that. Sure. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And I just found it it was really grinding me down. Because you're 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 you, I remember us talking about this. You you are the boss and yeah. you are responsible for those people totally. that you bring out on the road. And I remember. Um, but this has enabled you to expand musically um, into incredible areas. I mean, I feel like we should sort of uh, take one at a time in a way because I'd like to do them justice. So how has it been, for example, working within the palette of, uh, of, of having an orchestra at your disposal? It feels like something, it's amazing it hasn't happened before, I feel, with, with your stuff. But it's, it's, it's good, but it's difficult because I'm such a stickler for tuning. Right. That I uh, I uh, I don't think the orchestras knew what they were in for. <laughs> you know, so you were hard ass on the orchestras. Not, I mean, I don't think in a rude way. <laughs> okay, but I, I wasn't would, suggesting. I'd that. be like, oh, you know, guys, um, no. <laughs> and uh, I think it was pretty funny because because the way that I write, um, I write in MIDI, and then I have people um, who understand uh, the theory, then explain it to the orchestra. But a lot of times there's a certain amount of elitism in any scene. But in orchestral music, it's it's pretty interesting. It, mm. So when you go into a situation and, and fundamentally they're just kind of like, you know, fuck this guy. Mm. But then after a while they start recognizing like, oh, you, he knows what he's doing. Did you really, did you really get that? Oh, yeah. You really got that? Okay. Yeah. And then by the end of it, they were like, oh shit! And now he's not satisfied. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so it was. It was it was uh, it was pretty intense, man. And uh, you know, I don't think I made many friends with the orchestras on this one. But yeah. ultimately, it's so expensive that I don't know what to say, right? Like, I don't want to hear it sound like a high school band. I want it to be like epic, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah, I pushed them pretty hard. So having all of those different elements to play with woodwind, strings, uh, percussion, um, did that give you a? Uh, did you get? Did that give you the resources to put what is in your head down more so than it would have in the past? Yes, but not because those ideas didn't exist. Just now, it was almost like, okay, finally, this goes here and this goes here and this goes here. You know what I mean? And um, there wasn't a sense of liberation with it because I always anticipated that it was going to sound like what it ended up sounding like. Mm, mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and you've brought on a bunch of vocalists uh, again. I mean, Annika, who you've worked with before, Chi, who you've worked with before, Chad Kroger, which will probably surprise a lot of people yeah. <laughs> and people like that. Um, <laughs> I know you really enjoy working with um, female vocalists, um, but what what made you want to go back to? I mean, I suppose it's obvious with Annika and Chi because they're so they're great, talented, and yeah, great plus to it's work easy. With. I don't have to. Yeah. I don't have to pussyfoot around anything you know they're both friends of mine and i can shoot straight with them and they mm -hmm. you know what i mean and they know there's no ulterior motive as well mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. what i mean it's like a lot of times in the past i used to think that when i was working with with women that maybe they thought it was like some sort of veiled way of me uh trying to make a pass at them or something <laughs> right but with annie and Shay, it's like you know they're all friends with my wife and yeah, yeah. they know that yeah. i'm like fairly asexual when it comes to my work <laughs> yeah and so as a result i can say right this is what i'm looking for here this is what i'm looking for here yeah and they're yeah. like clever people are like fuck yeah let's yeah. do this right um so bringing in someone like i mean i don't think people i don't think i think there's so many different things to f focus on with this album i think sure. it would be really um 
ridiculous to focus on sort of bringing in a guest like Chad Kroger on it. But are you expecting it's it? A, it's an important one, though. And I'll, okay. tell, you, I'll tell you why. Because mm-hmm. um, prior to this record starting, I was at a crux with my career where I found myself 46 years old. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I'm not a kid anymore. Mm. You know, we don't have a retirement fund. We don't have anything like that. Mm. And braces and life. And, and I'm thinking, shit, maybe I should just write a bunch of commercial songs. Mm. Like, I, I honestly um, uh, entertain that. Okay. And I, it's not that I wanted to, but I just thought I could probably make a bit of money and my career is at a point right now where i've got attention and so if i put Mm -hmm. out a bunch of well-produced songs that have Mm -hmm. like a big chorus uh, i could make money Mm -hmm. and somewhere along the line i mean i've always liked commercial music Mm -hmm. Uh, whether or not i play it it's it's like i've always liked it and there's been smatterings of it throughout my career but i've always liked it so anyway nickelback released a song off their last record that i heard and i liked it so do you remember what it was it was the first one off of feed the machine okay I'll find out. And I also really liked uh, this Coin for the Ferryman song, and I really liked Burn It to the Ground. I just, I, I, it's high energy, well produced. Uh, uh, I like his voice. So, yeah. so I wrote on Twitter, I like the new Nickelback song. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. dude, like the shitstorm that <laughs> in, ensued yeah, I can imagine. was crazy. Yeah. And it was like people basically saying, you're wrong. Yes, yes. And I'm like, I'm not wrong. I, I think yeah, it's cool. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Kick drum sounds great. I think it's yeah. cool, right? You can't be wrong about an opinion. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> you and you it, like it. It, yeah. it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm, I, my music sounds like Nickelback. Yeah, I, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like lots of different types of music. Anyway, the next day I got a text from Chad, and I've never spoken to him before. Oh, okay. And he said, hey, thanks for saying nice things about me. Oh. Everybody talks shit about me, right? <laughs> and I was like, well, to be fair, dude, like I used to as well. Mm, okay. And in a sense, it was because I had heard that you would talk shit about me. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, and he was like, yeah, maybe I did, actually. I was like, okay, well, I like the new song, and, and maybe one day we should get together for coffee. And we left at that. At that. Anyway, I got home, and I sent him a text. I said, hey, you know, I'm home for the next couple of months. He says, well, come over tomorrow. So I went over to his house, and I ended up spending days there, like just sleeping there and everything. And, right. Um, we really got along, and um, I realized really quickly that he's much more of a scientist than a pop writer. He's just very formulaic, and not only in his uh, work, but also in his uh, personality. He's really logical in the way, and brilliant. And the more time I spent with him, the more I realized that what I had interpreted as disingenuous from Nickelback was... That's him being who he is, mm. whether or not you like it, whether yeah. or not, you know, whether or not it works for me. Mm-hmm. He's that's him, dude. And I was like, holy shit. I thought this was I thought you were making this up. A persona, maybe. But it's not. Mm. Right. Right. It's just who he is happens to resonate with millions of people. Right. And so over the course of the time we were spending there, um, I said, you know, I'm sort of toying with writing some commercial music, too. And. You know, maybe if you were, if you had time, you could maybe help me okay. produce it. Hmm. And he said, I don't think you should do that, basically. Right. He says, I think that you should just, you know, why would you write commercial music, dude? That's not what you do. Hmm. You should go for it. You should write something that's, that's 
exactly who you are like in because you just seem like you're afraid of being who you are and so chad was the one that convinced me to do this in a lot of ways there's some other people involved but he was the one that told me not to do that yeah and so i asked him to sing and it's just a small part yeah but i asked him to sing the harmony on on the the strapping throwback song hear me right almost because it's the least commercial song on the record. Right. And to have him yes. on that, it just seemed like it was, I mean, artistically, I thought it was great. But, I mean, the guy really helped me, man. And I don't even think, he, I don't even know if he'd remember. I mean, we talk and I've spent some more time with him, but we're not friends necessarily, mm. but mm. we're acquaintances. And I'm always fascinated by people who are brilliant in ways that I don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. And, God, had I not been there that night where, you know, he had a couple of beers and just started talking. And, you know, he was talking in a way that he wasn't, like, concerned about whether or not what he said was, like, going to hurt my feelings or whatever. Not that he did. But he was like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, holy fuck, you're right. Mm. What am I doing? What, am Mm. I going to write pop songs? Are you kidding me? I have written pop songs in the past, but it's only because that seemed like, like, oh, I want to, I'm drawn in that direction. Yeah. But yeah. to make a pop version of my work, it just seemed like, oh, God, dude, this is like, this is not what you should be doing. Mm. So I left that going, right, time to really um, be uncompromised, right? So, yeah, in a strange way, his involvement with this is uh, was really important to me. That's quite a nice story as well, which ties in with the themes of the record, because you you had to show a level of empathy towards him in order for that to have happened, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I also had to um, admit to myself that I was almost willing to give up in a way. You know what I mean? Mm. I was like, maybe I should just cash my chips in. You know, I'm fucking tired, dude. Like, mm. I want to be at home. I want to. You know, I don't want to struggle all the time for money. And like, it just sucks, man, you know? And so to do Empath, I had to, it cost me more money. This record cost me like maybe 150000 man. Like I can m- more money than I've ever spent on anything. To be honest, the way it sounds, that sounds quite cheap, actually. If that's, I mean, well, that's I meant as a compliment. Yeah. No, no, but it's like, <laughs> dude, I, I mean, usually I make records for maybe 10 or 20 grand. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is obscene amounts of money. And it's on a record that is potentially very polarizing. Yes, And to do that, I had to make the commitment to myself that you're going to have to accept that you're maybe going to lose a lot of the people that have come on recently. But two things. One, um, you don't have to pretend anything if you do this. You don't have to pretend anything. You have to pretend you're, like, better looking than you are. You don't have to pretend you're, (laughs) like, you know like trying to sell yourself to a bunch of teenage girls because mm. that's what pop music is aimed mm. at or what mm. you don't have to do that if you do this which was a benefit and then the other side of it is that the theme of empath um which i've mentioned before i think but i'll mention again is about not taking your own life like not killing yourself in the face of relentless fucking negativity right mm. and i think in a sense, me flirting with making a pop record was almost a similar mechanism of me just going like, I don't want to fight anymore. You mm. know what I mean? I don't want to 
scrounge for money all the time. I don't want to be on tour for 11 months of the year just so I can break even. It's like, yeah. you know, uh, why don't I just make a pop record? So the leap of faith was not only are you not going to make a pop record, but you're going to spend more money on this than you've ever spent on anything in your life. Mm. Other than a house, I've never spent this amount of money on it. It's obscene, right? And, you know, what I found is it's like, oh, I'm still eating. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. these fears were kind of uh, abstractions. And I liked, somebody told me a quote during this I thought was great. It was Einstein's quote. He says, in my life I have suffered greatly. And on certain occasions, some of those things actually came true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah that's fantastic so it was a real leap of faith for me this record and then by the end i remember listening to it and then i was afraid again i'm like oh it's too intense like this is too much like it's too much for people like like what are you doing making this crazy fucking statement are you insane but then all of a sudden i started recognizing i'm like well you're afraid of who you are mm. You're afraid of what you do. Like, how are you ever going to progress, not only as a musician, but as a person, if, you, if you're if you afraid of, of your potential, you know what I mean? Or you're afraid of succeeding. You're afraid of failing, like all these things. And so whether or not the record does anything, it's the point of it. And I'm hoping that <laughs> these kind of like existential dilemmas that like, pockmarked this entire record uh will be um uh, obvious to people and hopefully the end result is people don't see this as being anything other than like you can do this too like we can all let's just you gotta you gotta not allow the the bullshit of of this world like drag you down right mm. like you have to protect yourself. You have to protect your your family and your mind and your body and your 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 spirit in a certain way. But man, it <laughs> it's not all peaches and cream, and that's why the record has a significant element of like terror to it. Mm. Like I really was like, it has to be frightening in those spots. It has to be really brutal in those spots because with that. Um, there's an awareness that the quiet parts of the record are are uh more poignant but man i mean you know i would like to say that this whole process was done with some sort of sense of like you know uh altruism or i was boldly fighting some sort of but it wasn't that it's just i feel like art and music is something that as artists we are fortunate to represent but it's not us it's not music isn't us it's what we are able to hear through our experiences through our interactions with others through the collective unconscious whatever it is i mean it's beyond me i don't know but i think that art uh isn't ours i think our whole uh reason to be an artist is only to do the best job we can interpreting something that is greater than us so you're serving as a conduit. Of course. And I think that I'm very suspicious of artists that claim music as their own. Mm. Like, this is my work. These mm. are my fans. This is my... I'm just like, it's not. It's just, it's music. And the closer you get to um, 
working through your own issues and each age brings different issues and granted i don't <laughs> i don't think i'm convinced that those issues ever get truly solved mm, mm. but the more committed you are to trying to get the vision of music as close to your interpretation of that infinite source as you can um the more other people will hear that truth in it but i think it's really important to me that um it's not me you know what i mean it's like mm. i don't like that i really don't like being seen as the person who i'm really happy with people saying you did a good job mm. that makes sense to mm. me mm. but you know it's like all my creative strength goes to uh representing uh something that's so much more than i right it's so it's very we, we've had brief discussions about this in the past especially the conduit stuff and it's it's very interesting to hear you say that just because you uh, obviously you've darted between so many different styles and genres and so on and so forth but there is an inherent um and forgive me for saying this because i'm going to slightly go back on what you've just said sure. but there is an inherent devon townsendness to everything you that's do. yeah but you see that's my bias right so what i'm saying is okay let me let me clarify that and that's a good point to bring up um i remember when i was struggling with infinity that album because i was so convinced that was all me mm. like this is me and and that's how come that record failed in my mind mm. for me and mm. not that the record failed it was exactly what it needed yep. to be yep. but because i claimed it i was like so precious about it and i met a lady who was uh really getting into meditation at that time and she gave me an example of what she thought art was and it just stuck with me since then she's like as artists we are blessed or fortunate or whichever <laughs> term you want to use to have brief glimpses of truth you know whatever that is however that comes to you through trauma or seeing someone be born or seeing someone die or a great love or a great loss or or any it doesn't matter mm -hmm. as artists which i think you know we all are on some level mm -hmm. we're uh, fortunate enough to have a glimpse of the infinite and then what an artist does is through his or her bias, like me, middle class, white, Canadian male, mm -hmm. there's going to be certain things about the way I choose to interpret those experiences that isn't going to resonate with people that don't like the things that make up my personality, right? Okay. Yep. They may hear my interpretation of, of something that's beyond me and say, I don't like it. It's too congested. Uh, it's too mm -hmm. compressed. Mm -hmm. I don't like his voice. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Mm -hmm. But you see, that's just my interpretation of it. In my mind, um, the truth of what art is um, is the same in every artist. Like, it's just when you, when I recognize something that I love, it's not that that I love. It's the fact that it's in in. Uh, honor of something that i think is true you know when you see great sculpture i don't think to myself like wow i really want to hang out with that guy <laughs> my thought is this makes me feel joy because in his or her work i see something that 
is beyond us. Yeah. And because they've gone through the effort as a person to uh, try and strip away so they can get closer and closer to their truth, eventually, and sometimes artists get it closer and mm -hmm. sometimes not right, but pretty close, right? And so in that sense, yes, your filter is, is what defines the aesthetic of it, but the truth of what art is has got nothing to do with us. That's just us being like, holy shit, how awesome is that? See? Mm, See? Mm, I'm pointing it out. Look yeah. at this. See? It's something like this. This is the best I can do to to talk about that. And, um, and I think that uh, as an artist, our... Um, the one thing that we can really be proud of is that we're um, in service of, of that, you know? And, you know, I've fucked it up a bunch of times. Like, mm. I've, I've misinterpreted or I've interpreted as it's me or I've mm. interpreted as... And it's not. And, and until such time that you're able to sort of, at least for me, until such time as I'm able to sort of put this massive ego of mine aside, you know, it's always going to be slightly skewed, right? Yeah. Um, it feels like, I mean, taking that on, it feels like empath is the most truthful uh, interpretation of your bias. Then I suppose at this stage, yeah. But it's still, uh, it's still rotten. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who I am. I mean, I've got so many hangups that I'm trying to work through, hmm. and so you know, it's always going to come through those. And um, I think that uh, um, what this record access for me is a door because in hearing it I'm like okay you need to work on this and this and this and this and then hopefully and I don't know what it would sound like mm. I hope that when I get it closer uh, you know and I'm far away from it still but I'm hoping that when I get it closer it's it's really chill <laughs> okay yeah. so do you think when you say this is a door to something new um, is that partly to do with the expansiveness and I mean I don't see you going back to a traditional DTP setup no. anytime no. soon no, 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 no. so it will be you'll continue because it feels like this is more you being a, a um, orchestrator almost I'm going to write a musical right yeah right, so the okay. musical is called The Moth and I've been working on it for a long time wow okay but um, it requires a, a, a significant amount of capital and uh, and personnel. But it's a similar empath, similar like jumping on a plane. You know, you're terrified until you do it, and then once you've done it, you're like, oh, okay, now it's a little easier to jump a little higher. Or, yeah. You know, confront my boss or or whatever it was, because the fear of like doing that jump was so paralyzing. So. Empath acts as a door in the same way that um, jumping out an airplane helps you uh, deal with your fears yeah. of whatever you, whatever we're talking about, right? So I think the next things that I do, um, a lot of the existential angst that went into this record, I can bypass. It sounds like if you're, is the musical going to be the next project? Do you think? Maybe, uh, Maybe, but again, I have to follow it where it leads. Yeah. Okay. I've got a ton of new songs written too, but. Um, but whatever it is, I'm going to take it slow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think um, I think Empath is a really natural progression in many ways. E even in though, in, in a sense, you're talking about 
jumping off of an airplane and stuff like that i think i think it does make perfect sense that you would release this expansive record with orchestras and three drummers and multiple vocalists and all that sort of thing i think it is a very um i think it's something that people will be super super excited about i hope so um but thank you thank you so much Thanks, Devin. Really appreciate it. it's lovely to, to speak you to you again friend. yeah so there you go renfrey Chatting to Devin Townsend, you're a good mates, aren't you? You and Devin, <laughs> yeah. mates. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if I'd go as far to say that uh, about myself. <laughs> He's a lovely man. He and, is a lovely um, man. I've been very lucky to interview him multiple times. He's lovely. Yeah, yeah. he's a good dude. Really, yeah. really good dude. Um, so we are going to talk more about the album ourselves now because um, as if you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out, it's what three days before the record drops. Uh, it will be. Yeah, yeah it'll be yeah. three days before the record drops. So um, we're going to kind of chat about the record but more pertinently talk about devin as an artist first a little bit um in case you are somebody who just listens to our podcast and doesn't really know anything about devin townsend but has heard the name uh it's probably worth explaining just what it is about devin townsend that has made him so unbelievably revered and it's an amazing career that he's had unbelievable it's unbelievable mm. yeah um it's so multifaceted and there are so many different areas that he's gone into um empath is technically his ninth um what i would call solo album the mm. ninth album under the devon townsend name but if you include um work that he's done with the devon townsend projects and the devon townsend band we're actually up to his 19th album yeah uh and if you include strapping young lad and casualties of cool as well it's actually his 24th album mm-hmm. and that's if since, you count steve Vai. if well. you count steve Vai as well then 25th yeah um and that's since, well, the Steve Vive album was 93, but the 24 albums is since 96. So yeah. he's done all of that in uh, 23 years. 23 right? years. Uh, so not only that, some of those 24 albums are double albums as well. Yeah. <laughs> so the sheer amount of stuff that he puts out is just unbelievable. And just when you go from talking about, about from when you say Strapping Young Lad and Casualties are Cool, mm. I mean, if you're an artist who just did those two projects yeah. yeah that sound literally nothing like each other at all like Not couldn't really be further apart from each other whatsoever and yet they do oddly have i think you said it earlier on about you know the one through line they have is devin townsend and i think there's there's something quintessentially devin townsend about everything that he does yeah so what is that quintessential devin townsend thing he's got a euphoric I was speaking about this earlier, actually, like um, off, off, off air, mm. if you like. Mm. And I was saying, um, I think it's something you said once when I think we were reviewing the Astronoid album a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And yep. you said there's not many bands who can make euphoric sounding heavy music. I think I ref- in that review, I think I referred to Happy. Uh, sorry, I think I referred to Epicloud, which mm. was Devon's. Um, I think the the idea with Epicloud was to make a happy yeah. heavy metal album. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, maybe with the exception of a lot, or the majority of Strapping Young Lad, most of the stuff he does, even when it's really really heavy, it seems to have a. It seems to soar above mm. above the kind of. Um, the sort of the bog of heavy music mm-hmm. is a dirty, nasty, and that's why you love it, isn't it? You know, you yeah. love heavy music being heavy. But even when Devin Townsend is heavy, there seems to be a uh, 
elegiac. Yeah, a kind of like I say, this kind of soaring, bright feeling to everything. Uh, you know, admittedly, strapping young lad would be the exception to that. But I mean, even bits even of, bits of strapping young lads, even bits of strapping young lads. Lad, you know, there's a kind of madness to it that almost takes it into that territory. Mm. Um, and there's a a, a, a lunacy to mm. it um i sometimes when discussing strapping young lad i sometimes if people want to know what they sound like i'll say well it's kind of like extreme metal mixed with looney tunes yeah <laughs> um and it's it's very difficult to describe devon townsend with without making him sound wacky mm. which is the last thing i want Slapstick to do Slaps it, yeah because it because it yeah, especially when you get into the, you know, Ziltoid stuff and stuff like that. And you talk about having gigantic alien vaginas on stage with him at Roundhouse yeah. and stuff. It's very easy to misrepresent him as this kind of well, hey, wacky artist. Yeah. And um, he's got a silly lunatic side, but I don't think either of us have much time for sort of wacky stuff. No. And yet both of us find him quite palatable. Yeah. He's on the line between... Well, I, I, th- not, I think he I think he balances it very, very it's well. It's not the starting point. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, I think when, yes. when, when your wackiness is the starting point, when you go like, I'm going to be something that's going to be kind of crazy and then we'll add music to yeah. it, that <laughs> is the problem I have with Storm and Psycho Stick and all of these, these bands. Whereas bands like... Devin or System of a Down or, you know, bits of typo negative at their yeah, most yeah, sort yeah, of cool. um I mean they're not really wacky, but they're funny. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um it all you know, the music and the intention behind the music always comes before the humour, if yeah. you like. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's very that's a very good point. Yeah. Another thing that I think Devin um straddles the line very well with, and something that both you and I are not really big fans of, but I think Devon manages it very well. If you describe a lot of his music, I don't know, a lot of heavy metal stuff with choirs and, you know, Mm. choral stuff and stuff that sounds borderline. Power metal. Power metal sounds borderline musical. Mm. A lot of people will be like, well, that just sounds like it's really cheesy. Mm. And I think, um, I mean, I've always kind of battled with this with Devon because I suppose in a sense it is kind of cheesy but and yet it's palatable for me yeah. I, I i i do think once again he he balances between those things in in a very good way in that i i still feel it emotively mm. um and a brilliant example is epic loud which is yes, which, is, which is, a, is a great record a ph- phenomenal record mm. and it is like a metal album with a gospel choir yeah and it works so well and it's so emotive and so beautiful. Um, there's songs on it about sort of saying goodbye to your cancer stricken child and stuff like that. You know, it's mm. really, really, really beautiful. And yet if you described it to someone, they could sort of be taken aback and just think that just sounds really cheesy. Would well, you know what it is? Right. I think is when you mentioned wacky and power metal, mm. Power metal and and I think actually you know we're going to talk about Empath the new record in a, in in a, in a minute and and there's parts of it where I was listening to it and I was like this wouldn't seem out of place on a symphonic you know a Nightwish or a, or a Within Temptation or one of those bands who I again I'm not a fan of, of that type of music mm. at all mm. and I'm really not a fan of you know the Man of Wars and Blind Guardians of this of this world either especially considering Devon is working with an orchestra on this yeah, album but yeah, yeah yeah we'll get into that um and he manages to do to do wacky which I don't like and kind of power metally 
you know, OTT bombast, which I often struggle with. Mm -hmm. But I think because those two things are the polar opposites of each other, the fact that you're bringing those two things together, they almost counterbalance each other. Mm. They almost cancel each other out. Mm, mm, So it doesn't mm. become cheesy because you know it's not really that serious. But it's also, it's not too wacky because it's really bombastic and over the top and quite, you know, po-faced in in a lot of ways. So weirdly, by taking two things that I don't like and melding them together, he's made something that I really like. It's bizarre, isn't it? (laughs) But I kind of agree with you. And it's so often... I've heard um, about a concept for a record that Devin's about to do and gone, oh, I don't like the sound of that. Mm. And then I'll listen to it and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, um, I'm Casualty mean- Cool is quite a good example. Yeah. And there's a lot Not of talk in- about it being like a cosmic country and Western record. Mm. And I was like, I mean, that's that's great, Devin. You get that out of your system, but then, you know, then well, give us a proper Devin album. I mean, I doubted Epicloud as an idea mm, because I was mm. like, happy heavy metal. Come mm, on. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Epicloud's one of my favourite yeah, Devin I think albums. Casualties of Cool, I think, it, you know, it took me a while, but I adore that record now. Mm. I think it's a masterpiece, you know. So I think he has these really quite out there ideas, but the way in which he makes them come to reality it just it just blows you away pretty much every time so i was gonna ask you this and as someone who probably you know like i am i am not the oracle on devon townsend mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination um wh- whereas i think maybe you probably go in on every album i haven't been able to go More deep, deep deep on every single record to be More honest less, yeah. but I'm interested in, because he's recently said the Devin Townsend project is no more. So mm. this is the Devin Townsend solo record, essentially, Empath that we're talking about. Yeah. What is the difference between a Devin Townsend solo project and so Transcendence was the last Devin Townsend project album. And as far as we are aware, may well be the last Devin Townsend project album. What's the difference between those things? Um, stylistically and musically... Um, not loads. Um, mm. The Devon Townsend project was created to originally it was just going to be the first four records, uh, which is key. Um, uh, what's the bouncy, bouncy one? The bouncy, bouncy one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, sorry, more specific than that. It's key deconstruction. Addicted. Thank you. Addicted, there we go. Right, yeah. I'm thanking my own brain there for reminding. Uh, key addicted deconstruction and ghost. Mm. And it was originally just going to be those four records and just kind of like four different facets of what he does. So um, key is probably the most difficult to explain. It's kind of well, that's actually country and western tinged, but you know with a bit more sort of rock in it as well. Addicted is like a uh commercial uh, metal his his version of commercial i should say yeah um bounce like dance metal album mm. A- another one which like that doesn't sound like i'd like that and addicted is fucking amazing i like addicted. oh yeah. it's brilliant yeah, yeah. uh deconstruction is oh my god uh bonkers um metal opera about cheeseburgers mm. <laughs> that's underselling it massively but that's what it is and ghost is a really ambient chilled record and the original idea for dtp was just to put those four records out and then um i think with epicloud he just decided that that was the fifth dtp record and just decided that there were so many elements i think he enjoyed working with those people yeah um so um but it's it is kind of bizarre because a lot of the people that work in Devon Townsend Project are actually involved 
with you know the, there's members of dtp on infinity mm. um and um uh s- several of his other records as well so it, that's a difficult distinction to make i'm not sure I, i'm i'd be curious to know what devon would say about that Actually, yeah i'm not it, sure what the distinction is particularly yeah because when you think ghost i mean is ghost that different from like dev lab or i mean it is but um yeah but like the the, the idea is not a million miles away from each other and then you've got ziltoid which kind of comes in you go well i don't really know where this fits in anywhere and who's really no, responsible no. for that record that is considered a devon townsend project uh ziltoid album, i believe a ziltoid it? one is devon townsend solo yeah. oh so, okay um but here's here's the interesting thing uh z2 as he calls it canadian mm. um the sky blue disc which is disc one is a devon townsend project record but ziltoid two is a devon townsend record it's quite confusing yeah it is it is i mean i don't think it's too important to go into the semantics if you know what i mean i don't i think it's a worthwhile question to ask but especially when he released that i was like i don't know if it really matters anymore Mm. do you know what i mean Mm. and um you know, it's the same personnel on um, Sky Blue and Ziltoid 2. So you've so. got to give somebody one album from those 24 records as the starting point. We include point. Strapping Young Lad as well? Yeah. Holy shit. That you can give to people as their introduction to Devon Townsend. What are you giving them? And um, let's just be clear here as a little spoiler before we get into the album. It definitely won't be Empath. Not a fucking chance. No. What what um am I giving my favourite? Am I giving the best, oh, I or am I giving the, the best the best indication of his um work as a whole? However, you choose to oh, define that hell. that question, Renfrey. I wouldn't give them empath, but the only reason why I'm going on a slight detour with this is because I do believe, um, and we'll get onto this later. I do believe empath is kind of a culmination. Is almost him trying to sum up everything he's done up to this point. Well, that's to true. A degree. That's definitely true. But I agree. And that's that why you shouldn't give it to <laughs> Yeah, I agree that Empath is probably too much of a mindfuck to go in with first. We've already mentioned it a lot, but I do think Epicloud is just a wonderful... It's got choruses to die for. Mm. The whole gospel choir mixed with like proper heavy instrumentation is fucking excellent yeah um at its peak um like songs like angel and um hold on uh but both towards the end of that record actually are just some of the best songs he's ever written i think Mm. um some of the most emotional so emotional and yet so ott at the same time like Mm. that's that whole juxtaposition thing that we're talking about the way that he marries those together um and i think whilst it has whilst it is really big and expansive and has lots and lots and lots of different elements i don't think it's that difficult to get into some of his records when you've got songs like animals on it animals kingdom yeah i mean the re-recording of kingdom is just I defy anyone to listen to the Epicloud version of Kingdom and not be impressed mm. at the very least. Um, it's 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 a stunning album and it is one of my favourites. Um, I, I mean, there will be a lot of people listening to this who will be 
who have either already turned off because I've mentioned EpiCloud <laughs> or, or who will be, you know, screaming at their phones or whatever. But I think the, the thing with Devon Townsend is everyone's going to have a different answer yeah. because they are all so different from one another. Mm. But yeah, I'm going to plump for EpiCloud. Do you have one? Well, I may have said, I would have said Addicted or EpiCloud myself. Addicted is not a bad shout. Um, but I mean, you've and I probably would have gone for EpiCloud as well because I, again, I really, it's really so love that good. record. But um, I don't want to say too much about it because we're going to be doing this for a writer's review. If you want to go to patreon.com forward slash writer podcast and give us some money, you can hear this. But we are going to be talking about Ocean Machine. Yep, that's not, a bad, that's not a bad shout. I think I might give them Ocean Machine. Mm. So anyway, that seems like the right time to actually start talking about the album. So Empath is the name of the record. Um, we've said we've given you enough context for the background. And I think you've basically kind of come up with uh, how I was going to kick this off. Okay. because. I'm taking this actually from um, a statement on Devin's Facebook page about the origins of the album. He says, on this album, Devin has decided to see what would happen if all the styles that make up his current interests were finally represented in one place. To finally shake the fear of expectation and do just what it is that he was meant to do creatively. Empath, truth to the name, is about allowing the audience a feeling for a variety of musical emotions. The musical dynamics represented on this single album are broad, challenging and immense. To approach this sort of work with a long history of what makes music heavy, heavy music heavy, allows this to be done with a type of power rarely heard. So if you know anything about Devin Townsend's back catalogue and you read that, oh, he's finally going to let himself do all the things all at once mm. on one record. That like that either sounds amazing or like unbelievably large amounts of work for you, the listener, to kind of unpick or both. It's a little of both. It is I a guess. bit of both. It is it? a bit of both. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it is possibly the most ambitious Devon Townsend album in a career that has been enormously ambitious. Yeah. Um, I think I love that idea of trying to bring all of these styles together and make them coherent. And I think that is something that Devin does incredibly well. I think mm. he's done it incredibly well in the past, here more so than ever. Um, we discussed uh, Ammo by Bring Me the Horizon a couple it of did, months yeah. ago. Which is, and some people might be a little bit, like, why are you bring up Bring Me the Horizon with Devon Townsend? <laughs> um, <laughs> I know what you're going to say. But, but you know what I'm going to say. I, I would be normally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Ammo is a record which we both, you know, we were kind of lukewarm to it. I mm. think it's okay. But I think both of us sort of felt that rather than, it's lots of different types of songs just sort of randomly jumbled, jumbled together. Yeah. I wager that you could put ammo into, you could put it on random and it would work in any sequencing yep. in any way. Or not work. Or, or not work as in any sequencing. In fact, I've seen people sequence it better than I think the band did online mm. and forums and so on and so forth. Um, I think the, the through line with Devin there is he brings all these we, we we actually described ammo as a playlist it sounds yeah. like more like a playlist than an album the beauty with devin is he's able to bring all these different elements together and actually make them sound cohesive and in the interview he talks about intent you know that's the way that you do that is in intent and what you intend to do with that i i think he's sort of i didn't bring up bring me with him but i think he's trying to sort of say if you want to 
if you want to make these things cohesive, you can do. But if you choose not to, uh, maybe for, I don't know, off the top of my head, commercial reasons or mm. to get on different genre playlists, mm. um, then you're not, you're not going to have that cohesiveness. And I think the artistry lies in having a cohesive statement yeah. and an album that sounds like one piece rather than a playlist, as we suggested with that mm. record. Mm. Um, do you think Empath achieves a cohesiveness despite being all over the place? I do, yeah. I mean, a lot of that is to do with the fact that even... Bring Me Horizon, pick a genre, pick a song, if we're going to do this comparison between Bring... They pick a genre and they stick in it. Yeah. And then they move on to something else in the next yeah. song. Yeah. Right? Well, this is a record that wildly swings between moods and genres within the space of a single song but then we'll happily usually in the, within the space of a few bars yeah, sometimes. yeah, yeah. yeah. but then we'll happily come back to that genre mm-hmm. halfway through a song later you know mm-hmm. some of this is very heavy it's mm-hmm. very very heavy very very metallic mm-hmm. some of this like you said is very bombastic and epic and um uh and kind of soaring um, and some of it sounds like a musical some of it sounds and i was gonna say some of it is <laughs> as close to as close to Meatloaf and Jim Steinman as yeah. uh, as Devin Townsend has ever got. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It is that kind of I can feel I can feel people wincing at that thought. But once again, it's not you don't mean that as a No, no. Uh, no, no, a, no. A, I mean as a, no, not as an insult. insult. I mean I think like for for an album and for an artist to be able to do that today and make, especially because there's People talk about bands like Queen and and Meat, you know, particularly Queen and Meatloaf and those kind of those kind of acts who made this absolutely larger than life, bold as brass, unbelievably kind of over the OTT music and made you know music that sounds like like the biggest Broadway musical, and people still love that. They still love that sound, yeah. but no one really. <laughs> has managed to capture it in a in a kind of contemporary setting. Or no one's really ever people don't really try it anymore, do they? Like I, think, you know I mean no one's really ever tried to to do that and make it sound modern. I think it was so uncool for so long. Um I don't want to go too far into this. Arguably Muse, but but I don't think they've done yeah, it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're basically a sort of alternative rock band yeah, who've gone yeah. a bit spacey, I think. But yeah. I only um, half agree with my convictions there mm, anyway. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. But yeah, I mean, I can see it a little bit. Um, but certainly, you know, I've never heard, I've never heard somebody fully embrace no. that yeah. in a contemporary heavy metal mm-hmm. setting. Yeah. Which is yeah. what a lot of this album does yeah and that's you know that's pretty original pretty unique even for devon's townsend mm-hmm. yeah even for devon townsend you may think well if you haven't listened to the album yet you may be sitting there going well actually he's kind of done stuff like that before he has but never to the the extent that he's done it on this record mm. Mm. never to the i mean you know from the second the like genesis the second song on this record when that comes in and it, it and it just sounds like every single instrument on earth <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> being played at once there's a wonderful moment in that song um people might have already heard it because it has been released as a single but there's a wonderful moment where there's blast beats happening with a massive fuck off choir uh, in in the background yeah. and it's like it sounds like the entire orchestra is doing blast beats you know it's yeah. absolutely incredible um 
yeah, I, I, I think, um, I think Genesis is, uh, sort of overture to the record as a whole, mm. really. Um, some people have heard Genesis and just been like, oh, it's too much. It goes crazy all the time. I can't take that. Blah, blah, blah. If you've heard Genesis and it's put you off because of it's kind of in idiosyncratic, constantly jumping in between thing, uh, different styles of genres, nature, um, I still think the record the, the record sort of calms down a little bit after Genesis. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. Uh, well, when I say calms down, I mean it. Um, it it isn't constantly throwing new things at you. No. Uh, it starts. I mean, the the song after Genesis is "Spirits Will Collide," which mm. is the by far the poppiest, most. I, 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 I don't want to use the word commercial because that's not correct, is it? But it has this... Well, it, something on this record has to be the most... Something on every record <laughs> yeah. is the most commercial. Thing. Right, even if it's Scum by Napalm Death, <laughs> there is a mo- most commercial song on that all record, right. even if it's not commercial at all. All right, fine. It's the most commercial moment on this record. And it is... Um, I adore that song. Mm. It's beautiful. Just, um, the choir takes most of the main vocal. And it's just another it's just another Devin Townsend song about love, which he's written quite a lot about. Yeah. But he's really fucking good at it. He's he really is, yeah. good at writing about love. Um, without it sounding like a shitty, wanky concept. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really that's a huge, huge, huge moment on this album. Um what about uh there's a song called hear me which mm. um chad kroger yeah which has backing vocals from chad kroger you wouldn't know it though would no you? no you wouldn't know it yeah. i only know it because i looked and i went oh my god it's chad kroger yeah, we talked about I don't chad. like it anymore we talked about chad quite a bit in the interview and um it's devon refers to hear me as the strapping young lad throwback song mm. uh do you see that in in here yeah me? it's the yeah. i guess it's the 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 heavy well when people think of okay so what most people think of being heavy because yeah. i think maybe i have a slightly different idea of what when i say heavy music mm. but it's the most kind of atypically metal oh yeah metal rather than heavy i guess it's the most kind of atypically metal song on the record yeah. but even then i think you know because of his vocals and because of just the amount of stuff going on and because of how it's produced as well mm-hmm. like it's got it's got, I think, again, you know, like what, like we said at the start, it's such bright production on it mm-hmm. that, which is done by Devin, of course. Yeah, that that you know that it, it never, he never sounds like just another typical metal band, even no. when that song essentially is like we say, it's the 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 kind of the banger, the head banger on the record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a great song. It's great. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. just. Um, yeah, I can see that being the the the. It's the most like I still think quite far away from stra- from being like strapping young lad at yeah. their most like extreme yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no absolutely but they were very i mean strapping young lad was so heavy oh they were early ridiculous. on early on you know like the first those particularly you know city. you listen to city yeah. it's just absolutely completely relentless yeah. and does sound completely different to this yes yeah, yeah yeah absolutely he's found kind of like a a brightness i suppose mm. in 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 that that heavy style i mean he talks about how um alien and um his solo album infinity were like very difficult albums for him to make and he find found them quite toxic um for his own sort of mental well-being and stuff like that so i think he's managed to um continue with that sound but 
do it in a way that isn't bad for him anymore. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, Devin Townsend is someone who has been very, very open about his mm. mental health. And he's very, very open, full stop. That's yeah. why it's great to interview. Yeah. yeah. And he said, you know, previously, you know, obviously he came off his own medication um, because he felt like yeah. it was messing with his creativity. But then the music he was making when he was in Strapping Young Lad and when he was making metal was obviously negatively affecting him as well. So that is an amazing artistic achievement, I think, to be able to find a way to go, I really like making heavy music, but it makes me upset doing it mm. so i have to take pills but then they affect the way that i write and i don't like it mm. so what i'll do is i'll adapt the way that i write and i'll find a brand new way to make the music i like that doesn't make me feel like that's that's amazing yeah 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 what an amazing like how many artists even think that deeply about their music oh, to be able to kind of totally readjust and reset their their output to, yeah. to fit their their own kind of psyche and to deliver a record like this yeah, yeah, yeah. which is like you know i think we've kind of skirted around it this is an amazing record mm, mm, it's mm. a really really creatively artistically challenging amazing unique record and it's an it's a it's an amazing i think it's an unbelievable achievement to mm. be able to pull this record off and for all the chat about it's this and it's that and it's got all these different things in it he has pulled it off Oh yeah, yeah. Like he's I, definitely pulled it off. I think he rarely doesn't. Yeah, there's, there's, I think most people who are fans will be like, "Well, yeah, of course he has his Devin Townsend." Yeah, he gets, there, he gets there are right. there are very few missteps in his back catalogue. And mm. you know, may I remind you, he's just done twenty four albums in twenty, well, however many years, twenty three years, twenty three years. Yeah, you know, and there are very very few missteps. I would argue, physicist maybe he really doesn't like infinity. Right. Um, and you know maybe the self-titled strapping young lad album but you know for the most part it's just gold the whole like mm. and even when you sometimes even when you don't like something you can appreciate what he's tried to do with it and mm. just be like well yeah fair enough you achieved what you set out to do um that that is undoubtedly with the case with this album i think um i think I, it's really difficult i think Devon albums you have to sit with for about a year before <laughs> I you, know. you can I don't feel that comfortable with yeah 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 before you can ascertain where it sits in his catalogue or mm. whether it will be seen as a um uh classic Devon record in years to come how much of the um set how much of the song how many of the songs will stay in the set so on and so forth um I mean that's a really difficult question to answer with this one because because the entire album has an orchestra. Live. Yeah. yeah. Putting yeah, this yeah. off live will be well I don't even know where you start to be able to think about. I had a, I don't want to go into this too much. I had a you know, off off mic I had a quick chat with Devin about that. Like what on earth how on earth are you gonna do this? And I hope I'm not spoiling anything, but he at the moment he's like, I haven't got a fucking clue. <laughs> so he's got he's got some shows he's got a show at the roundhouse in December in London. And that's, I think that's the big one that he's like, um, uh, building up to, but yeah, as of this recording in March, he, he doesn't know how he's going to do it either. So, um, we'll see, uh, to be seen. But, um, yeah, I mean, I trust him implicitly. I Mm. mean, when you look back at the Rattle Circus and the Royal Albert Hall show and Mm. stuff like this, he always does pull it off somehow. Mm. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, we are, I don't know how many people are in the orchestra, but he, this pretty much the entire record uses, utilizes an orchestra of yeah. some kind, which is how you get this kind of very um, musical feel to it almost sometimes. Um, I think, I think it is, I think at its best songs like Spirits Will Collide and I really like Genesis, yeah. uh, Hear Me and why well. i really like why is an absolutely why does sound like it's come straight from like the south park musical or something like mm. that um i think it's absolutely brilliant i do think it you're gonna say it's too long right i wasn't i no, i okay. I, I know actually because it is about 73 minutes yeah, something like that four minutes 74 and eight seconds I've got here. I, I don't think it's too long because i think it's such such a bonkers I, i'm never bored never ever bored no. um there's too much going on to be yeah. bored um i think it's just i mean the last song singularity is essentially a six-part opera it's 23 minutes long sorry yeah yeah it's a six part um 23 and a half minute long and a half minutes, yeah. opera of just basically ugh, i mean if this album is devin townsend's career in a microcosm that song stroke songs mm. are this album in mm. an even smaller microcosm, <laughs> basically, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, because that goes all over the place. I mean, it takes a few minutes before you even. I thought it was a secret track. To, uh, I thought it was going to be one of those ones where eight minutes comes on, you have to fast forward it, right, for, right, right. like you used to do on CDs or something. Yeah, yeah. Because it starts slow, so slowly and minimalistically. It kind of reprises um, the the opening track yeah. as Castaway, mm. which is just you know. Uh, sea lapping up at a shore and some kind of steel drums um sort of a scene setter rather mm. than a song um and it sort of repri- reprises that i mean i'd say singularity reprises the entire record in yeah. lots of ways there are themes that come back throughout it um i would say it, if if this album has a failing just because i i don't even want to nitpick at this record because i think it's so brilliant and i I think the genius mind that is needed to pull something off like this is so incredible that it feels really shitty of me to nitpick at anything well doing doing my job (laughs) i would say i would say the points where it falters ever so slightly for me are the longer tracks so singularity Mm. at 23 minutes there's also borderlands at 11 Mm. minutes or so I, I I wouldn't want either of those songs to not be on the record. Um, but I think um, there are just uh, movements of those songs. There are portions of those songs which don't grab me in the way that others do. Maybe yeah. that's kind of the point of them, though, you know. And I think, I mean, how many how many people can write a 23 minute song? that does keep your attention attention yeah. the entire way through it it's that's an inc- that's asking an awful lot of the listener yeah. that said if i ever saw singularity lie i mean you know when devon does this stuff live i'd really want to see singularity being done live because yeah. i want to see how it's put together and how how that is presented live mm. so when i say a nitpick it's really kind of yeah i know i get it though i mean yeah. i this album is such an undertaking yeah yeah it's yeah, yeah. such hard work that i mean i do feel often with albums with this amount going on um you feel mentally and physically kind of exhausted and spent by the end of it i mean you know how much i love 
The Wall by Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. But by the end of The Wall, I do just go, oh, wow, oh, that was yeah. fucking, that was like a lot. Do you know what I mean? It's like running a, it's like running a marathon sonically. Mm. Um, I have to say, I, I don't disagree with you, mm. but um, when I was hearing about this album and hearing it being described to me once again you know in much in the same way that we're describing it now um it sound it sounded harder to grasp than it it eventually was if that makes sense yeah, I, think- I i was i was pleasantly the first time i heard it i was like okay mentally preparing myself i need mm. to make sure that i'm in a darkened space and i'm just concentrating on this because it's going to require lots of my time and mental power to process it and i was pleasantly surprised at how uh palatable <laughs> palatable I, I was about to say easy to gi- digest it was and then sort of laughed at myself because i wouldn't mm. call it easy to digest but it's not as hard to digest as i thought no it would be. I, I mean yeah i don't even sort of mean that really in terms of its palatability i mean uh, it, because because it is so bright and it is so yeah. um euphoric is that it does keep you interested the whole time. It's just that you have a lot to kind of digest. There is a lot to kind of it swerves so much. It you you can never you can never really comfortably feel like you're sitting in the same space for too long. There'll be a point where you go, is there a kittens in the background? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yes. Is there a kitten? You sort of go, hold on. And then you know, I was listening to it the other day with someone else in the room with me, and I was like, Are you whistling? Oh, it's the album yeah, yeah, is yeah, whistling. Oh no, album, it's the, yeah, yeah. the album's whistling. Yeah. And there it, are amusing points. There's a point. There's a point towards the end, the beginning of um, the the fifth track, I think, um, where there's a story about a bear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, I've listened to this record a lot, and I'm still totally clueless so as to why I mean? that's like, on there. It's know? not a relaxing listen. No, like no, you no, know, no. It's, as easy as to pick up and as catchy as it is, and as nice as it often can sound, and as and as you know, and as I don't know if foot tappy is the right word, but there are bits on it that There's are definitely bits. That, yeah, that, that are catchy yeah. and that are, but you know, but it, it's such an exhilarating listen that as soon as it, when it when it finishes and you've had to concentrate, not even or you you want to concentrate for that long for seventy four minutes, and you're getting so much information thrown at you, even if all of the information you're getting thrown at you is understandable and relatable and brilliant. It's still a lot of information for you to be able to take mm, in yeah. uh, in seventy four minutes. After yeah. about an hour of it, I was like, "Whoa, this oh, yeah, is yeah. like I feel like I've been on." It, it's like it's like a sprint. It's it's like a sp- it's like sprinting constantly um, because. Mm. You know, there, there are there are respites, I would say. There are ambient res- passages. Yeah, and, I know, but you don't really get to. You don't get to you relax for long. You don't get no. to relax for, in them at all. <laughs> you don't, no. I don't think you get to relax in them because you think, well, any second now, it's going to go, <laughs> or a cat's going to come in the background. Or you start thinking about bears, or, you know, a whole choir is going to go, what? But isn't that so great? It is great. Like, it is great. It great. is, you know, it's really, really good and it's really, really exciting, but it's exhaust. But, but you know, in the best possible way, mm. you do go, yeah, I wow, get that. Wow, that's a lot. And after sort of 74 minutes, that is, I think it's, uh, it asks, a, even though it is palatable, it asks a great deal of its audience. It does. It does. But the, and that's not, but, a, and that's not a criticism. That's not even a criticism. No, no, no. We need artists to do that. I think, mm. I think we need bands who do that. And I think the majority of, uh, at least half of Devon's oeuvre asks that of its audience, I would yeah. say. Um, 
I go back to a record like Deconstruction. I mean, uh, Deconstruction is, I'd say Deconstruction is, is more difficult to listen to than Empath personally. Yeah. I think that's a really, I, I, I love that record, but it is so difficult to penetrate and very unpalatable and strange. Even the single from that record features Ishan, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like, fucking hell. Uh, it sounds like, you know, a death metal wizard of Oz kind yeah, of thing. It's, it's, it's brilliant. But, yeah. um, so yeah, but, but, um, it is absolutely worth your time. I would say if you want to tentatively dip a toe into this record, um, I would listen to spirits will collide yeah. because I, that doesn't sum up what the record is, but if you don't like that song, yeah. a, you have no heart yeah. <laughs> or you song, won't like the rest of it. but B, you definitely won't like the rest yeah. of it. And, I think that is a really good way to pull people in. I mean, that that is, I, it's a big song. I really like that song. Yeah, it's a big so song. Much. Huge song. Yeah, um, and there's so much that's huge about this record. So, um, I, it's a, this is a great record. Yeah, it's really really good. Yeah. Um, how often I'll listen to it? It feels like a treat. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. It feels to me like the very, you know, like I talk a lot about Tool being my favourite band. Yes. I never listen to Tool because it feels like a treat. And there are yeah. some albums, again, like I mentioned The Wall earlier, I don't listen to The Wall very much. It's a it's a treat. And I feel like you get these albums sometimes that, you know, this is 74 minutes of your time that is a sonic buffet of literally everything. And you should yeah. enjoy all of it yeah. because all of it is very of a very, very high standard. But it feels to me like, I, you know, when I come to the end of the year and go, what are the best albums of the year? I think this might be one of the albums that I go, ah, yes, that impressed me the most. But will I have listened to it that much? I'm not sure that I will. I uh, I do, yes, actually, I do agree with you. Although, to be honest, I think Devon albums are the kind of albums which, rather than thinking about them in terms of albums of the year, you need to think about them in terms of albums of the decade because <laughs> they do take that long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like Tool albums, I yep. think. You know, I think I don't think Tool and Devon sound the same particularly, but I do think that they share that. In, yeah, they in, do. You know, I'm... I'm still getting to grips with deconstruction and that record came out almost 10 years ago. I think it was 10 years ago actually this year. So, you know, um, and, and because he releases so much so quickly, it's really difficult to keep up. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I do agree with all of that. So, um, just to close up, where's he going next from here? Do you reckon? Well, He's been talking about The Moth a lot, which is a symphony he's been working on for quite a lot of time. It's a penis symphony. Of course it is. Yeah, why not? Uh, (laughs) um, He's been working on that for a very long time. And obviously this is a... This does feel like a stepping stone towards that. Because when I say a symphony, I mean it's a a symphony with an orchestra. And I, I, I... the impression I get is it's not going to have sort of traditional rock instruments in it at all. It is actually a symphony okay. about penises, but it's a symphony. Yeah, um, sorry, that's quite rock. Yeah, sure. I mean, but the, <laughs> again, and and once again, towards the beginning of this, we were talking about how you hear ideas sometimes that Devon has. You go, well, that doesn't sound very good. I know penis sympathy doesn't sound great, but. I've trusted in Devon so many times now and and got something amazing out of it that I, I, I'm sure it'll be incredible, yeah, whatever it is. Sure. I don't know if that is going to be his next thing. I don't think he knows either. Um, but he has been working on that for a long time. And, and I definitely think that Empath is a stepping stone towards that. Mm. Um, but I think it'll either be that or I know he's got a bunch of other songs sort of ready to go as well. Um, so it'll be one or the other, I would have thought. 
Well, there you go. We mm. look forward to seeing what the uh, the mind of Devin Townsend can conjure up for us next. Uh, that was our special on the new Devin Townsend album, Empath. And um, we appreciate you listening to that. We'll be back later on in the week to review um, some, well, let's, some slightly less bizarre records um but we'll be back on a friday as we are every friday reviewing whatever's out on friday i can't remember off the top of my head anything uh, we're doing uncle uncle uh, uh actually that is quite difficult that record so yes just, it is quite difficult um just, uh, uh, i can't remember like white chapel white chapel yeah um and some other things there is some brutus, other things brutus. brutus yeah as well so uh we'll see you we'll see you then thanks very much for listening